stay at home and protect lives. That's the clear warning from the health secretary, Matt Hancock, who says it's not a request, but an instruction. I folks, quick update for me on the campaign against coronavirus. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. Finding faster ways to test people who may have the virus. After days of being accused of giving mixed messages, the Prime Minister now says that face coverings should be worn in shops in England to help prevent the spread of coronavirus. Hello and welcome to Corona Chronicles, SNS Online spin-off show that continues to touch base with a wide variety of people from all walks of life to talk about how the current situation is impacting them both professionally and personally, as well as offering a cup full of cheer, some top tips, up-to-date stats, and most importantly to touch virtual base with a cheery hello. And without the need for hand sanitizer, I'm Nick Randall. The arts have been particularly badly hit during the pandemic and have impacted thousands of jobs in the UK and beyond. Not only actors, but national and regional theatres, music and comedy venues, set designers, electricians, office staff and so, so many more. But is the money on offer, £1.5 billion to be exact, enough? Or is it merely a sticking plaster offered in response to campaigners? Well, with me to discuss this is stage and screen actor and campaigner, Julie Hesmanhausch. Julie, it's always a massive pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, fantastic that the government is stumping up some cash. £1.57 billion emergency fund. Although it's got to be added that the arts as a whole pumps £23 billion into the economy every year. Is this more of a case of too little, too late? Well, I mean, I think, first of all, Nick, it's really, really important to to say that the night of the announcement from the government was a very good night for people in the arts, you know, and it was a huge relief and it was massively unexpected because a lot of us had felt that if something was going to happen, it, it would have already happened. You know, other countries had acted a lot more quickly. Sure. Um, I don't know the reasons for, for the belatedness of it. I think that the campaign in the week leading up to the announcement had really stepped up and people had really got on board after certain big institutions had announced redundancies like the National Theatre and the Royal Exchange in Manchester. Nuffield had said that it was going to have to close its doors completely after going into administration. So I think that people started to really think, actually, this is this is going to be very, very, a, a really terrible time for our arts and culture in, in this country. And, you know, we are world beating in that arena. Mm. You know, we're not we're not world beating in many arenas these days, <laughs> but we are world beating in that. So I think that there was um, a, a definite stepping up of the campaign and, and maybe, you know, the government sat up and listened, which is a, an unusual feeling <laughs> for yeah. some of us. So um, so it was it was very, very welcome. There's just a lot of questions um, that that need to be asked, you know, and and in asking them, I don't think anybody wants to um, come over as churlish or ungrateful for for the the huge rescue package. I mean, I think it's important to say that uh, the rescue package on the whole will act as a, a bridge, really. You know, mm. a lot of it is loans, a lot of it is grants, you know, because a lot of theatres and arts institutions and venues, music venues, art galleries, just can't run unless they're making any money, you mm. know, unless they've, they've got audiences coming in and uh, members of the public coming in, then they have no way of making money. Once that is uh, enabled, once we're able to open our doors, then we can start pumping money back into the economy at the huge rates that the cultural industries do. Um, so, 
this money needs to be distributed very, very quickly because we're already a lot of institutions are on the brink of collapse and yeah. closing and, and huge redundancies. So the speed of distribution is is one consideration. How the money is distributed is, you know, causing quite a lot of anxiety across the industry because, of course, you know, the huge um, institutions like the National and the Royal Opera House, um, you know, they, they, they're going to need a lot of money to keep going. And we're worried that the money won't get through to more grassroots um, local organisations that do incredible work, really important work in the community. Sure, because just just to say that, I mean, obviously this arts package is covering everything. It's covering museums, galleries, uh, heritage uh sites, film funding, I think, as well as the theatres and and even cafes. And it it really is a a vast industry. I think people just think of, uh, you know, lovey actors and all the rest of it, but it it is a, a massive powerhouse. Well, it is. Yeah, exactly. And there is some money that's ring fenced, you know, for for specific heritage sites and museums and stuff. But um, but yeah, I think that there there is. um, And it's it's a little bit of a a PR mistake, really, in that I think that there are still people who feel that the arts are for a very particular kind of person. And, Mm. you know, (laughs) lovers is absolutely the word. And and what people don't realise is that, you know, people who are working in our cultural institutions, I don't don't just mean theatres, you know, electricians, um, stage managers, cleaners. Cleaners, um, yeah. More important than ever, the cleaners. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's there's vast amounts of people doing really important and essential jobs that aren't front of house, you know. So, not you know, so it, it's, it's a proper industry that creates millions millions of jobs so so it's really important to recognize that the importance of it to our economy as well as to the sort of well-being of the nation because even if you're not a theater goer you know you may know somebody who has been really helped by a local youth group or outreach work that's going on that's been continuing to go on throughout lockdown you might have gone to a gig at a little venue in your nearest city or town you might have just gone to an exhibition with school you know everybody has experienced art and culture in some form and of course it's been huge in lockdown you know what where would we have been without music and and film and tv and what people don't realize as well is that a lot of those things come from the grassroots you know from a youth theatre through to you doing something in the theatre or at regional level at national level whatever and then you know television is born of that you know Michaela Cole who's like breaking the internet with I May Destroy You now you know started off with a one woman show Chewing Gum Diaries you know that was a that was a play that she started with same with Fleabag you know it's it's an it's an ecology and so it's very important to to recognise that, I think. And also, the, as you said, the £23 billion yeah. plus um, pounds a year that we, we contribute to the economy of the country. And, of course, it, it's an industry that can't be peopled um, by anything other than human beings. So in terms of moving forward, you know, this is not an industry that will ever be able to be automated. No. You know, the real jobs for real people and, and very important jobs too. And, and also minorities in the arts, you know, we're, we're getting special funding for uh, specific types of theatre that helps to break boundaries. And uh, do you think that the money is going to be sort of distributed to, to those? Are they in more danger of uh, closing? 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's always the fear in that, you know, there have been strides made over the last few years, still a long way to go in terms mm. of proper and equal representation, you know, across disability and ethnicity um, and gender too, you know. So it's, it, there are a lot of people who fought really long and hard to get a place at the table, at the cultural table. And the fear is is that they'll be seen as low-hanging fruits. They'll be the first to go. Mm. You know, that the cultural institutions, in particular theatres, are, are going to have to play safe in order to get audiences in. And in, in doing what they think is the safe option, yes. you know, often means getting just like famous big white faces yep. in there again <laughs> at the expense of, you know, of, of more interesting, diverse and representation of our of the community that we live in, of the, yes. of the, the country, the society that we live in. So, yes, yeah, so that's another consideration. And also, and this is really, really key, unfortunately, you know, it, 70% of artists are freelance you know, and uh, and there is nothing in this package that talks about how we can support freelance artists moving forward. You know, theatre is pretty much people by freelancers, whether it be lighting designers, set designers, costume makers, dressers, musicians, composers and actors themselves. You know, it's a, it's a freelance driven industry and we're desperate for some help with that because, of course, in order to get any help, there is some very rigorous um, sort of foreign filling and interview processes and, you know, presenting your tax. And as somebody said the other day, you, you can't apply for a lot of the private grants like the Netflix grants mm. if you have a certain amount of money in savings in the bank. Well, as a freelancer, anybody who's freelance know you have to put money aside in savings Quite. account yeah. for your tax and for your pension yes so you will naturally have that yes. graduates who are just coming out of university or drama school or art school don't have any records of their um their pay for the last few years so they're immediately you know uh, excluded from any grants as well so there's there's so many cracks that people can fall through mm. and there's a lot of people you know calling out now to issue soon act to really address this and because we need help and we need it fast otherwise there's going to be an absolutely generation of artists and, and freelance artists who are going to fall through the cracks and who are going to have to leave the industry. Yeah. And there aren't any other jobs for them. You know, it's not like there's like all these other jobs. You know, it's impossible almost to get a job at Waitrose at the moment. Well, quite, you know. absolutely. I, I've actually learned a lot more about this than, I, than I've, I've read up so far from what you've been saying. I mean, apparently comedy clubs uh, aren't uh, a part of this package and nearly 80% of UK clubs apparently won't survive unless they get extra funding. So it's, it's like they've sort of put a, a sticking plaster on, but but, um, I mean, at least they have put the plaster on, which that has to be acknowledged. But is there anything else that we can do as as sort of citizens to, to, to help out uh, in terms of, um, uh, you know, f- filling out petitions or donating money, etc.? Do you have any particular sort of uh, addresses or anything we should follow up? Well... I mean, I mean, not not really. I mean, there was a lot of campaigning going on in the week leading up to the announcements, mm. you know. And so there's a lot of work going on now behind the scenes where people are lobbying uh, to make sure that money is speedily and and fairly distributed. Um, I think there's a lot of campaigns and petitions going out about um, the situation for freelancers and the self-employed. You know, that's that's definitely. There's a lot of things you can find, a lot of groups online on Twitter and on Facebook who are supporting freelance workers. 
um, I would say that anybody who who is um, in the arts should join the union. You know, Equity yeah. have done amazing work during this time to support us. And I suppose in a, in the wider sense, you know, for people to just really acknowledge um, the importance of arts and culture in our lives and in the wider society and stop thinking of it as something that's a treat, mm. you know, and, and start thinking it as something that's like integral to our lives mm. because it's been cut back in schools massively all the time. All those kids that we all know who weren't academic at school yeah. but were just brilliant at music or drama or art and could get through that one GCSE because yeah. it was so practically based, those subjects are getting more and more um focused on written work and academia and it's and it's excluding another generation of of kids who you know just don't learn in the same way as other people you know and we're going to miss out we're going to really really miss out and we're going to end up with an arts and a cultural world that is run by and populated by a very narrow swathe of our society Mm. people who can afford to basically Yeah. yeah How viable do you think live performance is without any risk now? I mean, I did hear that there was some opera going on, I can't remember, in another country, where they had half the people in the audience, but twice the performances. I mean, could we be working towards something like that? Yeah, I mean, definitely some some theatres will be really able to do that and really willing to do that. I mean, it's very difficult because it's different from theatres to theatres, so for example, the Royal Exchange in Manchester, which is a theatre that's very close to my heart. Of course, yeah. Um, they have worked really hard over the years to um, reduce their public subsidy. So they're very, very reliant on box office. Mm. So in order to break even, the Royal Exchange has to have a 50% capacity. Mm. Um, with social distancing, even a metre, and if you think about it, if you're sitting in a theatre, that metre has to go either side of you, in front of you and behind yep. you. they would be looking at about 120 people max in a theatre that can seat 750. Mm. So it's just not financially viable. The building is huge to staff it with security, cleaners, bartenders, courtroom attendants, front of house Mm. to heat it, light it, get the boiler going. It just would, it just, it's impossible to run it with Mm. social distancing. And so it's theatres like that and institutions like that that need help very, very urgently in order not to be laying people off. Whereas actually, theatres that have a, a larger public subsidy who get more arts funding, you know, and a, a, a little bit less reliance on box office can probably open and 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 run at a, at a profit or at least break even. Sure. And I think that people generally, you know, we're all desperate to get back to work and desperate to get back, you know, I mean, God, I've, n- I've never wanted to go to a gig as much in my life as I have done these last couple of weeks. You know, it's yeah. like, it's just not the same. Like watching theatre online, it's not mm. the same. Theatre and music, it's about assembly. It's mm. about being in a room with other people yeah. and experiencing something live. And you just cannot replicate that on but a screen. What, what about say, pop-up theatres, like outside with a lot of uh, a natural air con pumping through? Because that obviously is going to dilute any virus that's going around. So you'd have yeah. literally just a tent, but but you would sort of almost be outside, but you just have that in case of rain and just do that. All year round, we've had some heaters around. I mean, you could call it, you know, the uh, the um, Royal Exchange tent and or, or, or whatever, and just set that up around the the country. I mean, I well, would go got, to that. Royal, well, the Royal Exchange does have a tent, actually. It oh, does it? Yeah, it does. It's called the local exchange, and it ah. goes out into different. Um, 
communities across Greater Manchester and, and and does things that are sort of led community led and takes productions from the main house into there as well. But um, again, it's very expensive to run. Mm. Um, it's very small. Um, yeah. The seating is very close together. It's a very intimate space. Mm. Um, so even though it's in a tent, I think I would imagine it would probably still be clusters inside. I don't yeah. know because circuses are allowed by. I don't know the ins and outs of that to be completely honest, mm. but I know that there's huge conversations going going on in all theatres about how viable that is, mm. you know, to be able to set something up. But I do know that that, that tent, you know, which sounds like such a simple little idea, <laughs> costs like over a million pounds. Yes, so probably. not not it's not a time when people have got that kind of money just no. to be like, oh yeah, let's throw up a, a big tent with seating in it and put on some players, you know, mm. it's 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 the money you have to pay up front, you know, to pay artists and, and get the stuff. But, but uh, I think but yeah, there, there are yeah. definitely creative solutions and mm. people will be doing that stuff now. For and, sure. and I also think, you know, I, I would be quite happy to say pay a tenor to watch them online, say you being interviewed by somebody on stage or something like that, but it would be a collective online thing. I, I would be happy to to pay some money for that because I would enjoy the evening albeit at home but it would be a collective experience with lots of other people and uh, I mean that's it, I'm just trying to think of different ways oh yeah <laughs> oh, the, well there's been loads of that going on sure. people have been putting out archive productions oh yeah and, we've you know been the old Vic did lungs with uh, Claire Foy and, yep. and Matt Smith and, yes. and people paid a lot of money to experience that in the empty theatre watching mm. it at home I mean people do want to to help you know and experience things mm. it's um I mean, you know, theatre people and, and artistic people are, are creative people, you know, by nature. So yeah. there, there will be loads of solutions being batted around. And, and certainly nobody is uh, lying down going like, oh, please give us money, government, so that we can survive without any yeah. sort of thought. These places are running on very, very little at the moment yeah. and doing unbelievable. I mean, I know for example the royal exchange has has continued the work with young people and the elderly people group um doing tons of like writing workshops and acting workshops and putting things online you know that that work continues throughout lockdown that hasn't stopped you know it's just it's the it's the invisible stuff that that means everything to the people who utilize it but that we don't really see and of course, it must be noted as well, all the creative projects that have been inspired from lockdown. I mean, there's albums being made and all sorts we featured on on, uh, on our show, which is just fantastic. So work is still getting out there despite everything. It's uh, the, sort of the best of the human condition, if you like. Absolutely, absolutely. But I suppose what it is, is that, yes, art will survive. Theatre will always survive. You know, absolutely. It's, it's as old as as mm. the human beings, you know, that need to tell stories and make sense of the world through it and entertain each other. Yeah. But I suppose it, it's it's the stripping back of things. So if you look at Nuffield Theatre in Southampton, yeah. you know, that has been a really important place um, on the touring circuit for years. Lots and lots of uh, people um, have performed there mm. over the years in touring productions. But what it means for that town, you know, it brought people into the town that might not have gone for any other yeah, reason. I know, I know some of them to, here. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. And mm. they'll go and they will... You know, have a drink in the bar. They'll go to a local restaurant. They might stay in a hotel. You know, it it brings in money into a community, and and it it sets a, a small town apart from all the other small towns that are frankly really really struggling. You know, and um, 
and and it's and those I really really fear for. You know, it was really a terrible day when Nuffield shot. Yeah. And you know, for people who might not think closely about it, it might just be like, oh, theatre's shut. You know, okay, so is that somewhere where actors can't act anymore? Mm-hmm. But it is. It's the people that work in that theatre and have done for years and years, probably. But also, what it means for the town in in terms of of the creativity of that town and the outreach of it, of the 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 stuff that's there for young people and older people, but also just just the economy yeah. as well. Funnily enough, I was trying to get somebody from uh, Nuffield who I who I knew, but uh, he just wasn't. You know, he'd just been made redundant, and he wasn't in the best mood to uh, to, no, to, to discuss it with you. But obviously, we just um, send our love to him and the, and the theatre. But yeah, you know, um, uh, you know, fingers crossed, there might be a way out of this. It's obviously going to take a long time, and it's going to be a struggle. But uh, at least that money uh, is on the table now, which which is is a start. It's a start. It's a really good start. And, you know, um, we've got to keep asking the questions. You know, we've got to keep asking the questions. And, and you know, if anybody does want to sort of support in any way, the, mm. I think the best thing to do, I mean, I know it's a bit of a, feels like a bit of a trope, doesn't it? But, but write to your MP about the situation for, for self-employed people. Because, yes. Of course, that's not just, you know, artists. That's across the board. Self-employed people who... who struggling now but will be set to really struggle in the days and months ahead you know we're at the tip of the iceberg of that really once you know once the the universal credit becomes conditional which it is doing now you know which means that you've got to be seen to be applying for jobs you know and it's going to be it's going to be a hot mess and we need to we need to sort of deal with it now and put the pressure on the government now to to create a, a more supportive system. You know, I think that it is worth having a proper grown-up conversation about universal basic income, you know. Oh, God, yes. That, you know, so that people can have that money and you can go and do jobs as they come, but you have that safety net of that always. And if you earn over a certain amount, it just gets taken back off you in tax and gets put back into the economy, you know. It's a... I think there's something to be said for not having people have to jump through these endless hoops in order to get the bare minimum to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, it also immediately um, disadvantages people who maybe have learning difficulties, who are dyslexic, who find forms impossible. You know, it, it immediately... Um, gives an advantage to people who are better educated of a higher class oh, yeah. you know it's like so it, it it's it becomes a really really difficult thing on lots of different levels so so i would like you know a conversation to start about that and i'm hearing rumblings of it mm. but it keeps getting dismissed but the bureaucracy that will be saved would probably be worth you know how much extra you would have to spend on it but yeah. i don't know that's no that's me. i mean i know somebody who actually died waiting for uh, universal credits and then they um said he wasn't yeah. He had to go to court to get his money, and uh, and then they still weren't giving it to him. So, yeah, um, that's yeah, that it's absolutely awful. terrible. Someone in my village, it was the same thing, and yeah. uh, it is causing huge amounts of poverty yeah. and distress. And 
It really is. So on a positive note, we've got the money right to our MP, as Dame Julie has said. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I command you all oh. to write to your MP about uh, Yeah, Bless I mean, you. yeah, and just, and just have a look online because, I mean, I don't want to mention any particular groups, the exclusion of okay. others, but there, sure. there are a lot of different organisations that are working hard and campaigning hard to, to help self-employed people in yeah. particular, self-employed artists do this. And um, and there are also like theatre companies. Like there's an amazing theatre company called Art with Heart in Manchester. That's a feminist theatre collective, and they're they're doing sort of surgeries for people to help them navigate their way through the, the different sort of grant applications and benefits applications. And you know, people are really pulling together. I mean, that's that is the positive thing out of all of lockdown, isn't it? It's this sort of pulling together, and yeah. you know sort of seeing how interconnected we all are actually you know that as i say you might think of art and culture as something that's so you know distant from you and so you know not anything to do with you or your life but it affects every single one of us there's not a single one of us who don't listen to music or watch telly or you know enjoy culture in some way shape or form it doesn't have to be high culture no (laughs) I absolutely agree with you. Well, that's a great positive way to end the interview. Uh, Julie Hesmanhouse, again, thank you so much for joining uh, the show. Uh, Always appreciate it. It's always lovely to have you on. And uh, hang in there. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me, Nick. See you later. Take care. Julie Hesmanhouse there. Well, now it's time for the latest corona-related world news, dated Friday the 17th of July, as we're recording. Boris Johnson has said that from next month, it will be for employers to decide whether people should return to their workplaces or continue working at home. Setting out the next stage of the government's plan to ease the coronavirus lockdown in England, the Prime Minister also significantly changed the advice on public transport, saying that anybody could use it from today. He said that he hoped life could start to return to normal by November at the earliest and possibly in time for Christmas. Leisure facilities like bowling alleys, skating rinks and casinos will reopen, but nightclubs and soft play areas will remain closed. Live audiences for indoor concerts and conferences could return from October, dependent on the success of a number of trials. Mr Johnson also said that the changes were dependent on containing the coronavirus. He announced that councils will be given extra powers from tomorrow to impose local restrictions in the event of a rise of infections. The head of the NHS Test and Trace Scheme, Dido Harding, said they were also working to improve the system before the winter to help curb the spread of coronavirus. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, has called for an urgent review into how data on coronavirus deaths is compiled in England. The figures include everyone who has ever tested positive. Other parts of the UK include only those who have died within 28 days of a positive result. The number of coronavirus cases in India has passed the 1 million mark. More than 25,000 deaths have been recorded in the country. British Airways has retired its entire fleet of Boeing 747 jumbo jets as a result of a pandemic. The airline was the world's largest operator of 747s, which are more expensive to fly than more modern passenger planes. BA had initially planned to ground them in 2024, but has brought forward the decision due to a downturn in travel. Brazil's coronavirus outbreak is one of the world's most severe, with more than 2 million cases recorded since March. It is the second worst affected country behind the US. More than 74,000 people have died with the virus there, and owing to a lack of testing, the true figures are believed to be even higher. 
However, two major vaccine tests in partnership with the pharmaceutical companies AstraZeneca and Sinovac will soon begin final phase testing on thousands of Brazilian volunteers. And to look at the coronavirus stats, uh, in the United Kingdom so far, there have been 293,000 confirmed cases with 45,119 deaths. Worldwide, confirmed cases are 13.8 million with 590,000 deaths. And it must be added that 7.72 million have recovered. And finally, the social distancing regulations have evolved since lockdown. The original rule across the UK was that you had to stay two metres, six feet away from anybody who was not a member of your household. These rules have now been relaxed. You should still ideally stay two metres apart, but if that's not possible, you can stay one metre apart with extra precautions such as face coverings and not sitting face to face. In Scotland, the exemptions to the two metre rule are only in some premises such as pubs and restaurants and face coverings are compulsory in shops. And in Wales, while the two metre rule remains, the guidance is changing to reflect the fact that it's not realistic to stay that far apart in somewhere like a hairdresser's shop. The only people you do not have to distance yourself from are those you live with and those you have linked to in a support bubble. In England, Scotland and Northern Ireland, single adults living alone or single parents with children under 18 can form a bubble with one other household of any size and visit each other's homes. In Wales, two households of any size can now join up in a similar extended household. Also in Scotland, children aged 11 or under no longer have to socially distance with others outside. Outdoors in England, up to 30 people from two households can meet, or a maximum of six people can meet from multiple households. And people from different households must maintain social distancing throughout. And that's the latest news. Well, that's it for this edition. If you want to email us about anything at all, uh, the address is coronachronicleshow at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Nick Randall saying, take care and look after yourselves. Goodbye. Goodbye.